0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our service on September 4th, 2011 in downtown Covington, and this is part two of a series that we've been in called Rest, Rhythm, and Rejoicing. Today's message is entitled, Joy in a Job Well Done. Today we're going to be looking at the spiritual concept of enjoying the fruit of our labors. This is a much needed talk in this modern times where we tend to, there's always the temptation out there to just go and go and go and never enjoy what we're doing. But hopefully today can be a bit of a wake up to God's reality, to live a different way of life. So I hope you'll enjoy this. So, let's head over to North Shore Vineyard in Downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. And we got a lot of great things going out, so check out the web at northshorevineyard.org for updates on Alpha, small groups, and daily devotionals. All right. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to start out at the <laughs> Today we're going to start out at the beginning of The Bible. We're going to read a chapter of Genesis, actually a chapter and a few verses, okay? Y'all ready? This is a big passage here. In the beginning, and I don't have it on the screen because it's too much, okay? So just track with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters that separate the water from, to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land. And he gathered the waters that he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land to bear fruit with seed in it according to various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night. And he also made stars and he set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above and across the vault of the sky. So God created, created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems with and that moves about in it according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed and said, be Blessed and said, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very, very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vest array, and by the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing, so that on the seventh day He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work that He had done. Okay, that's probably the longest passage we've read in here since we've been in existence. y'all tracking with me. Uh, you know, I, when I read Genesis 1, I can't help but notice the poetic lyrical nature of it you notice it has sort of a rhythm to it god creates something he says let there be light and then god says looks at the light and he says and it was good god creates this and this and this and then lord looks at it and he says and it was good god creates and then he reflects on it and says it is good See, we, we can find something in the opening chapter of Genesis about God. If if this is all you had to, to know about God, you could come away with a couple of things. Number one, God really likes to create stuff, right? Like a mad scientist. Let's let's come up with things called fish and and birds and and trees. And so God just loves creating. But also, God the other thing we can kind of take away from this is that God not only likes creating, he likes taking joy. In the very things he's created, God delights in His work. We can also see that even God rests. Wow, even God, even God rests. Why do we think we can uh, make it without resting? That's another talk. <laughs> we'll get to that in a few weeks. My wife said, "Currently, I'm I'm not qualified to talk on rest yet." So, <laughs> it may. I'm, I'm trying to recruit some guest speakers to when we get there. But we find that God loves to create and He loves to take joy in His creation. And we also find on the sixth day when God creates human beings, He creates them in His image and His likeness. Now, you know, if you go all the way back through history, as long as we know rulers, whether they be kings or presidents or uh, emperors, Oftentimes in their, in their dominion, they would set up images of themselves, particularly in the far-reaching parts of their dominion. So you can actually find uh, in, in, in the far reaches of the old Roman Empire, you can find statues of Caesar. Why was that? Because, you know, you get a few, you know, several hundred miles from Rome. Caesar wants to let these folks know by putting up his image there that he's in charge, that this is Caesar's dominion. This is his empire. Now we, we see this even recently. What uh, you know I was I was actually at, you know in modern times I've I've actually been to um, Jordan uh, over in the Middle East back in uh, February, and I didn't realize this I didn't know much about Jordan before I went there but Jordan is actually a monarchy and they've got a king by the name of King Abdullah and his wife is Queen Rania and it's interesting because I was staying in Amman, Jordan. And it's a city of over a million people. And I think it might even be two or three million people. Very, very big city. But you can't walk a block down the road without seeing a picture of this king. He's everywhere. Sometimes he's like in regal dress. Sometimes he's in war clothes. But he, it's like his image is pervasive everywhere. You go into a 7-Eleven, they got a picture of him behind the counter. They got a picture of the queen. He, he's everywhere. And I don't think this is just simply pride. It's He's reminding these people the king of his dominion. Now, what happened right after uh, Saddam Hussein was overthrown or even uh, what's this latest guy? Uh, Gaddafi. Uh, what, what did they do after, after they overthrew? Him? They, they, yeah, they, the, the, they took the statue down. People took off their shoes and they start beating the pictures of Saddam Hussein or the statue. The folks in, in, in Libya, they're taking down these pictures of Gaddafi and they're, they're just, you know, disrespecting them. What are they saying? You're not in charge anymore. We're, uh, you know, we're, Messing up your image. We're taking down all your image. Well, this idea of setting up images as a part of rule and reign, actually, you know, that didn't come from human beings. It actually came from God. And guess what? You're that image. <laughs> I'm that image. God originally created human beings to be the ones who who showed forth his rule and his reign on earth. I, I you know, growing up, you know, the, the encounters I had with church as a, as a kid, I just kind of thought... Adam and Eve were just two naked people hanging out in a garden, you know, like like God created this whole thing and he just left a couple of naked people in a garden. I'm like, wow, okay, like like that's all they did was just hang around naked and eat fruit. And I'm like, wow, okay, that, that, I don't know. I don't know if that, that <laughs> yeah, it might be fun for a few minutes, but uh I don't know. Uh but really what we see in the opening chapters of Genesis is that that human beings weren't created just to hang around and do nothing. It wasn't just like a permanent vacation. They were actually given a job description. Rule and reign over all the animals. Take care of creation. Rule on my behalf. Be my image. That when anyone sees you, they know I'm in charge. And that was, that was our original job description. We were created to rule and reign. To bear the image of God. Now, how do we bear the image of God? Uh, well... A, a, a good part is we, we've got to kind of reconnect with God because since the fall, the image of God has been marred in us. But when we reconnect with Jesus, there several ways that, that we begin bearing a likeness to our Heavenly Father. We begin bearing a family resemblance. We begin showing forth the uh, image of God. Number one is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, you know, before I met God, the words that classified my life weren't words from this this list. It was, you know, instead of being loving, I was lustful. Instead of being patient, I was filled with anger, jealousy. I was apathetic. I was self-centered. That, that, if you were looking for words to describe Crispin, pre-conversion, that's kind of where I was. I didn't care about anybody else unless they could do something for me. But when I opened up my heart to the love of Christ and God began to change me on the inside, guess what he starts to do? He starts to bring forth fruit in your life. And, and Paul actually refers to this as spiritual fruit. It's not something you can work up in your flesh. You know, I couldn't be loving. I lacked the capacity. But God's Spirit begins producing fruit in our life. And as we produce that fruit, guess what? We begin to show a resemblance to our Heavenly Father. We begin to show forth His image again. Another way that we uh, show forth the image of God is community, growing in relationships with one another. I I love seeing what's going on here at North Shore Vineyard. It's, It's just amazing to me to think that a year and a half ago, this was just like 10 people meeting in a home, you know, and and most of us didn't even know each other. That was was like the crazy thing. Like, like we're all trying, we're still trying to get to know each other here a year and a half, two years later, but I'm beginning to see folks get into each other's lives. Now I'm beginning to hear reports of, Oh, so-and-so was really going through it. But some other people from this church began to gather around him and help that person out, whether financially or just prayer, some meals. And, and I see genuine community happening. That's a way that we bear forth the image of God. You know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. God, the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God exists in community before he ever creates any of us. God exists eternally as a, as, a, as a small community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We bear his image. What did Jesus say? He said, they'll know you're my disciples by the cool buildings that you assemble in on churches on weekend, right? <laughs> They'll know you're my disciples by all the Bible quotes that you can say. They'll know you're my disciples by your bumper stickers on your car and that little fish symbol. They'll know that all oh, those are Christians, right? No, sometimes I wish people wouldn't put bumper stickers on their car. It's like, dude, sometimes I don't want to put one on my own. Uh, you'll, they'll know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. See, when we begin loving one another, we show something that, that is not common in the world. We, we exemplify Restored relationships, not just with God, but with people. And that bears a family likeness to our Heavenly Father. But the thing that I want to look at today that is probably one of the most overlooked ways that we bear the image of God is through work and taking joy in our work. What did we find out about God in the beginning? He loves to work, but He loves to take joy in His work. And He even loves to rest. We actually... Show something about who God is, in the way that we work, in the way that we delight in our work, and the way that we rest. I mean, even saying that word "rest," even like what I talked about last week, did, did that seem like like absolutely countercultural, like like unplugging, like turning your phone off, like what? We bear a resemblance to our heavenly Father <laughs> when we do that. I want to read a couple of passages here. Um, Psalms 128, verses 1 through 2, in the message says this. All you who fear God, how blessed you are and how happily you walk on His smooth, straight road. You worked hard and you deserve all you got coming. Enjoy the blessings, revel in the goodness. That's good stuff, huh? Psalm 128, and the NIV puts it like this. Blessed are all you who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labors. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Ecclesiastes 3.10-13 through 13 says this. This was written by um, Solomon. He says, I've seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So we see even in the Scriptures, there's this sense of, you know, it's it's okay. It's actually a good thing to enjoy your work and the fruits of your labors. That's a good thing. So why do we have so much trouble with that? And that's the question I want to wrestle with today. Why can't we enjoy our work or the fruit of our labors? I think one of the biggest things that I find, at least personally and in the lives of some of the people I know, is Overwork, you just going and going like the little Energizer Bunny. You just keep going and going and going. Even when that battery dies, you just going and going and going. And we we have no time to reflect on the goodness. See, I love that God put. I, I love the first chapter of Genesis. God creates. He does amazing things, but then he steps back and he goes, "Dang, that was good." That did you see that? That was good. I I just put the stars in the heaven, the the moon. Wow, that's good. They're gonna be able to mark out calendars to come up with these 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 things called years and days and months, and wow, that's that's good. He creates a rhinoceros and an elephant and a whale, and, and you I can just see God just just like coming up with crazy stuff and then he stands back and he says, Wow, I did good there. God didn't just create, 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 create. Our, our very creator Step back and reflected on the goodness on the fruits of his labor, we miss it so taunt so much because we 're always going, and we never allow time for reflection just on even our job. Last week, we just kind of talked about unplugging from technology to allow time to just reflect on life in general but but we should actually God reflected on his work every. Day As he was doing it, we should have that same sense of whether you are doing construction or in an office or or a stay-at-home mom, stepping back occasionally to say, wow, that was good. That's good stuff. I'm doing something good here. Yay. Give yourself a thumbs up. (laughs) I think one of the other reasons that we uh, consistently fail to enjoy the fruit of our labors is that the burden of tomorrow robs us from today. You ever find that true in your life? Uh, Man, (laughs) I was talking, you you mind if I use your little uh, sailing story? Okay. I should get this stuff cleared beforehand. But uh, (laughs) I I was talking with Al about this the other day, and Al, uh, you you might not know this, but you've got a very experienced, uh, competitive sailor in here. Um, But Al used to to, to race, actually, y'all were both a a sailboating team. Al and Judy, they were like this master sailboating team. And... uh, Years, did you win the Did you win the national championship together? Y'all, yeah. Oh wow! So we have national champions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> but but Al was telling me how years ago he he won the national championship for sailboating, uh, for his his category. But he said, you know, the sad thing is, the moment he won it, he was already drawn into, i got a race next weekend. <laughs> he was already thinking about the next weekend. He couldn't enjoy, like, wow, we just did all this hard work, all the rebuilding the boat and, and learning techniques and, and, and working together. He couldn't fully enjoy it. Now, remember when the Saints won the Super Bowl? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, that's right. It's actually right when we were starting our alpha for the first time. And when the Saints won the Super Bowl, would it have been stupid for them to just bring the trophy back and say, "All right, to that, we're going, we're going to win next year. We're, we're really stoked about trying to do this again next year. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're getting serious. We're going to start training right now." We, we'd have been like, "What?" You know, that would have made no sense at all. What made sense was for them to come back and to shut the town down and do a big parade. Did anybody go to that parade down there? I watched it from Abita Springs, but uh, it was a little cold that day for my taste, but uh, I I said, yay. But it was appropriate to have a parade and for hundreds of thousands of people to just show up and 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 celebrate the hard work of these players. It was appropriate for Sean Payton to take that trophy home and, and sleep with it that night. No- well, I don't know if that was appropriate, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was a little weird. (laughs) It was understandable. They they were celebrating what they had done. They weren't thinking about the next year. They were reveling in the goodness of that moment. How often do we fail to enjoy the things that are right in front of us because we're already drawn to the anxiety of next week? You know, I I really, a couple of months ago, I I was kind of, Uh, I I think probably from overwork and and lack of reflection, I was kind of getting to a point where I was really kind of run down and tired and a little depressed. And um, I remember after a couple of Sundays doing a message and, and it's like all the hard work of putting into the message and the worship. It's like everything came together. It all worked out good. The worship was good. We prayed for some people, felt God showing up, Had some, saw a lot of good things going on. But I, I got to tell you, it's a lonely place here. After everybody leaves the building, I'm usually the last person out and and turning off the lights. And then I just remember sitting down on the chair like, whew, all right, I got I to get started on next week. It, it, there was no sense of enjoying all the hard work I'd put into it, all the hard work that you guys had put into it and, and what got it. There was no sense of like enjoying that more than like for a couple of minutes. It was like time to do it again. And that becomes burdensome, doesn't it? Even the good things of life, even things that you love to do. If you keep getting drawn into the future, you, you fail to reflect on the goodness of the moment. And I think one of the last ways, and this is just common in the church, maybe if you haven't grown up in the church, you might not struggle with this, so thank God, all right? But I think if, you, if you've, you know, my experience with church is there's a lot of kind of false humility when it comes to the work of our hands in there. Like, oh, it's nothing, you know, I just did this, you know, I just kind of, you know, whatever. It's, you know, kind of this apologetic tone. I, I have a friend of mine who, a uh, uh, vineyard worship leader over in in Georgia, and his worship team, they got a lot of musicians at their church and and they they worked for a couple of years on doing a worship album, and they wrote all the songs in their congregation, they came up with like you know thirteen or fourteen songs and, and that was just the ones that they decided to go with they They got the band and went to a studio and worked on it and I mean they worked on it forever, and they finally get the thing done, got all the artwork done and everything and he said, "You know what we did? We got that thing done. We had a big party." And then we we, we took the church musicians and we went on the road for like two weeks and and we went and played at other churches and just celebrated not just God, but what we had done. He says, you know, because he said, I'm tired of people in church just kind of like working real hard on something and just saying, oh, it's nothing. It's just, you know, and, 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 and we're afraid to acknowledge the work of our hands because we think it's prideful. We think it's arrogant, but you know. I got to thinking about this, like when my kid Ezra, he's eight years old. When he comes to me and he brings me a, a spaceship that he's made out of Legos, do I say you, you're being arrogant? Don't don't be proud of that. You know, only you know you need to you need to think about God. You know, it, it, that's just Legos. You just put them together. I mean, I mean that's is you know God makes trees and and animals and stuff. You know, what I mean, who are you? <laughs> if I said that, you'd think what a jerk, right? <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's cool. I love that. I delight in him creating stuff and bringing it to me. That's, that's, that's awesome. It's not prideful. When my daughter Tevia makes a dress out of duct tape <laughs> and brings it to me, I don't go, I can't believe you wasted all that perfectly good duct tape. <laughs> what would you do with all my duct tape? No, I'm like, wow, that is cool. I didn't know you could, I knew you could do a lot of things with duct tape. I never thought of making clothes. I think I might be on to something here. You know, I, I, again, a few months ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, and I was really I was really kind of struggling with a little bit of depression and just kind of tired and stuff. And my, my friend said, he said, well, you know, from the things you've told me, he said, looks like church is actually doing pretty good. You know, it looks like people are showing up, and God's doing some things, and. He said, "It looks like your hard work these past couple of years is has, has, has paid off," and he's like, "Yay!" <laughs> I'm like, he, "He's like, can you admit that?" And I got to tell you, I can. I can thank many of y'all in here, and I do for for the hard work you do, whether it's sound or coffee or, you know, showing up and managing and playing on the band. I I'm, I, I send out thank you emails all the time or text or whatever to people for being a part. And I'm I'm very grateful. But when it comes to to like saying. Yeah, I worked hard, and and it is doing. It was hard for me to admit that, and I'm like, why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? Well, I think it's false humility. It's the sense of, it's this sense that we can't take joy in the in the things that we do. Yet we don't require that of anybody else, do we? We don't require that of our kids or our coworkers. We rejoice in other people's hard work. We don't think that's prideful for other people. And certainly, I I think yeah, okay. You can get prideful and cocky and arrogant in your stuff. That's another issue. I think in the church, though, too often, we minimize the work of our hands because we think it's it's unspiritual to say that to step back and 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 really, what my friend was telling me is like, dude, you're, these are some of the best moments of this church. These are some of the days you're going to look back on and go, wow, remember when we sat in a room with. It was like a tailgate party. We didn't have chairs, and and we everybody had to bring their own fold up chair. And remember when you know we had a Mister Coffee coffee pot, and it would take forty five minutes to make enough coffee for everybody to have. And the service was usually over. Remember when it was so hot in here that people just started bringing fans. And remember all that stuff. See, when we don't reflect and enjoy, we we just we, we get ripped off. The same way we do with our own kids. You know, if we if we're not consistently Looking at them and and enjoying them, it's like it's going to pass us by very quickly. I'm realizing that as my daughter's like 12 years old now. I'm like, wow, how did she's like she's like completely changed in the last year? Uh, she's a young lady now. Why can't we enjoy the fruits of our labor? Well, either we're working too hard. It could be a combination of all three of these things. We're working too hard. We're getting too drawn into next week. Next month, next year, to enjoy the moment. Or it's false humility. We just don't think we're allowed to. I want you to think right now. Think about your work week. Think about the things going on in your life. Give yourself a little credit. You know, God, even in the kingdom of God, Jesus has invited us to participate. Jesus didn't say, it's all done. He invited us to be co workers, to, to, to do this. And I really believe, you know, there's certain things. Uh, for me, I can see this in certain areas. It's harder for me in other areas. To, how, how many of y'all like to cook? We got a hand, you know, a few. Yeah, I, I love to cook. And some things are better than others. But I got, I got this dish that I cook quite often. It's kind of a southwestern breakfast kind of thing. Has anybody ever had Migas before? Not a lot of people have migas here in Louisiana, but it's this kind of, uh, you know, tortillas mixed with eggs. Well, I kind of inspired an idea from that where I get these Fried tortillas, and I kind of put them on the bottom of the plate, and I get some black beans and I fry up two eggs and put them on top of there and I make this pico de gallo with some fresh tomatoes and onions and jalapenos and cilantro and a little lime and, and, and I put a little cheese on top of the eggs and then a little cilantro on top, and then garnish the plate with some some, some cilantro sprigs and some tomatoes and anybody getting hungry. <laughs> And and when it's all done it, it it looks amazing on the plate. It looks like something you'd see in one of these magazines and and Dina you know the other day because I, I make this like once a week and, and and Dina's like why do you put so much effort into making this thing look like that? You know, why don't you because because the reality is to to really enjoy this dish, you got to take a fork and knife and you got to mix it all up, you know, and you got to get all those flavors together. She was like, well, "If you're going to just mix it all up, why Why the presentation? I said, well, why do you care about cleaning the house? Why do I like to mow the lawn? (laughs) I mean, you you know that that within five or ten minutes of cleaning the house, the kids are going to wreck it. You know, it's not going to be clean for very long. This dish is going to look pretty for about 30 seconds, and then I'm going to tear it up with a fork and knife it's that it's that taking delight in the work of our hands i like nothing better than to sit on my back porch after i've mowed the yard and just like yeah everything is right in the world <laughs> even though i know in louisiana in july that grass is going to you know it's going to need mowing in about 3 days i've actually my neighbor is like obsessive he he mows his yard like every two days but that's another thing um <laughs> I'm like you go on dude but that that's that's taking pleasure and taking joy in what we're doing. And we don't see anything wrong with that, but I think it's harder when it comes to other areas of our life and maybe when it comes to our jobs. And so kind of what I want to leave you with today is, you know, reflect on your job and what you're doing. Try to step back once a day or at the end of the day and just look back and say, you know, it's good. And some 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 of you it might be easier than others. I I was talking to Dan Nitschke the other day. Dan did all of our uh, lovely uh, remodeling in here, and part of our remodeling involved turning my office back here into a four and five year old's classroom, which meant turning half of my garage into an office at home. So Dan was like, "Hey, well, you and me, we can do this thing." I'm like, "Really, Dan? You don't know? I've never done much carpentry. I've, you know, I'm, I'm I don't know." If, he's like, "Oh, I'm not worried." <laughs> That's what he was saying on the front end. but uh, <laughs> So we're working. We put up a wall, you know, and, and floated the sheet rock and began to put the texture and painted it. And at the end of the day, man, I, it, was, it was one of those particular weeks where it was just very hot too. And I was, you know, sweaty. I stunk. I was tired. And I, I looked at Dan. I said, Dan, you know, I said, I'm kind of envious of you on the construction thing. Because I was like, at the end of the day, you can look. And see what you've done. (laughs) You can go, wow, there wasn't a wall there. There is a wall now. Good job. So being a pastor sometimes, I get to the end of the day and I'm tired. I'm worn out. And I try to look for, what have I done today? (laughs) And it's a little harder. But I think whether you're in something where you can actually see visible, awesome results at the end of the day, or whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're in an office office, Whether you're doing construction. Reflecting and just saying, you know, I've I've done my best today. I put my heart into it. And it's good. Rejoice in your labors. And rejoice in the fruit of your labors. Because that's good. That's a spiritual thing. And honestly... I think as with last week's message, it's every bit as countercultural, isn't it? How many people are just working, working, working? They started out working to provide for their family or to get something down the road, but after a while they're just working to work and they've lost track of their heart. They've lost track of what they love in life. The passion, the joy has been wrung right out of them. Let's not be those kinds of people. And I know we all get there sometimes, some of us more than others. Let us find joy in the work and joy in the fruit. Why don't you stand with me? Father God, we we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. Lord, that you love, you take delight in creating, you take delight in what you've created, you take delight in rest. You take delight in making us new in in recreating things, Lord, in restoring and renewing and redeeming, Lord. I just pray for every person here today, God, Lord, maybe we sometimes there's things in our lives we do that don't seem that spiritual, but God, just help us to see even the mundane things of our lives, even just the maybe the job that we're not too excited about, Lord, let us see you in the midst of that, and let us see that 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 it's a good thing, Lord. Free us by your grace to enjoy not only the fruit of our labor, but but the labor itself, God. Help us to to just remember to reflect even on the things that we're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank y'all for showing up on this uh, beautiful Labor Day weekend. I wasn't trying to do a Labor Day message. I've never heard a Labor Day message, but uh, that just worked out that way. So uh, God bless you all. If anybody needs any prayer, feel free to come up here to the front. We'd be glad to join you.